Greetings, Carl. Hi, Carl, we went, we went straight to coat weather. We didn't yeah. even have sweater weather. What is this fall? Well, you can still wear a sweater just inside. Yeah, well, it was Arctic. Oh, my goodness, it was Arctic. Oh, well, that's the way the world is now. So we have to, so we have to use, uh, you stay know. Stay inside and see a movie. Right, which we have. I'm blurry-eyed from all of them lately, but and we still have more to go. We'll talk to our <laughs> guest, Dominic Daddy Windsor, next about his working at St. Louis University. Then around minute 39, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Around minute 51, Tick, Tick, Boom. Around one hour and four minutes, Procession. Around one hour and seven minutes, King Richard. And around one hour and 16 minutes, Julia. And then we'll wrap it up at one hour and 18 minutes with the Fox's production of Pretty Woman. This is the time of year where us film critics have to make decisions on our year-end awards. And so we are besieged with many screening opportunities, screener links, DVDs, and uh, it gets overwhelming. So most of the time, holidays are have fun, watch movies, and eat with your family, <laughs> right? Uh, not necessarily uh, in that order. No, no. Well, last night, I fell asleep listening to the real Jonathan Larson sing his Tick, Tick, Boom. Ah, which you can find on YouTube and it goes straight there because I noticed that the, at the premiere of Tick, Tick, Boom the other night, Lin-Manuel Miranda and uh, Andrew Garfield were on stage at the Shanefield Theater for the movie premiere and they brought on this Broadway inspirational voices and they sang one song, Glory from Rent and there wasn't a dry eye in the house. And then as YouTube does, it just immediately went to Jonathan Larson singing Tick, Tick, Boom at the piano. So that was good. So we'll talk about that more, but it's a musical, it's a theater day because our special guest is Dominic Dowdy Windsor from the St. Louis University Theater Program and a local professional actor and singer. And uh, welcome, Dominic. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here with you. Thank now, you for having I, I, me. I have to tell you something. I was in one St. Louis University Theater production, 1988's As You Like It, directed by Mark. Uh, I can't remember Mark's last name, but that's okay. Wilson? Yeah, possibly. <laughs> and I have wonderful stories I can tell you off the air because they're not for public consumption. Uh, well, also, Carl worked with, uh, he went to CBC High School, and his drama teacher was Tom Murray. Yes. Oh, wow. Tom Murray, who's retiring this year, fully retiring this year. So, Dominic, I know you from being in shows in the local area, <laughs> and you have been involved in uh theater education for years. So mm -hmm. tell me about uh, this Leap to Slew. Yeah, um, you know, as I progress in my career, you know, I sort of have fallen more out of the world of education and more into the worlds of arts management and arts education management. Um, so when this opportunity to join SLU um, and fill the shoes that originally were filled by Mimi Wolf, which were big shoes to fill, but I'm 
I hopefully am living up to the the legend that she left behind. Um, I jumped at it, you know, any chance that I can get to promote any arts anywhere or help advance a program I'm, I'm going to take um, because the arts have been an integral part of my life since I was, you know, birthed. <laughs> so anything I can do to help um, advance them, I can. And, you know, what's great about this new job is I get to work with not just the theater department, but the studio art department or program and the art history program and the music program. And it's, it's, an incredible it's been an incredible ride it's almost been a, a full year um and it's one that i am very glad i get to go on with with some of the most talented educators and performers and you know uh staff and faculty that i've ever had the opportunity to work with well uh, nancy bell is still there <laughs> correct which absolutely one of the premier talents of st louis as is lucy cashin Nobody's mm -hmm. more imaginative than Lucy. Absolutely. Now, is she directing the the play that's on right now, Shakespeare she, Midsummer Nights? She is. Lucy has directed um, Midsummer Nights, which opened this past Thursday, um, and it you know ran last night and tonight and tomorrow. And um, yeah, she did an incredible job. And you know, there's there's great choreography by Holly Seitz Marchant, who's our new our dance program um, coordinator. And uh, just the students have put in so much work. You know, we have a student, Andre Esleman, who composed a song for um, a previous Shakespeare show who remixed it for this show. Um, and, you know, our tech director, Joe Stafford, worked incredibly hard to put a set together. And Lou Bird has great costumes. It's, it's an incredible production, but at the helm of it is Lucy, who, who really tapped into it and made sure she, she delivered a wonderful show. Well, she has such an artistic vision mm -hmm. and what she does with Shakespeare. Carl, she did a trash Macbeth that was <laughs> just incredible. And also uh, she is she has taken apart all sorts of fairy tales and folklore and uh, created a different vision. She's taken, uh, I'm not sure about Dante's Inferno, but mm -hmm. uh, things like that. She she dissects the classics in a very unique and unusual way. And she has a, a great performance. So I imagine she's, I imagine uh, the young folk that uh, are, have a passion for theater are just, uh, are just enthralled by her mind. Yeah, you know, every student I've talked to, whether they're in the production or they're in one of her courses or have taken a course before, you know, they absolutely just love working with her and her process. And, you know, this is the the first time I've got to work with Lucy since starting at SLU. And it's been, it's been great. That's wonderful. Well, she usually gathers some of the cream of the crop, like Will Bonfiglio and mm -hmm. Reggie Pierre and Ellie Slate, uh, you know, Ellie Schwetti and a lot of people I'm forgetting right now. Yeah. But uh, uh, it's it's really good. And, and usually the students that you have in the program are very uh, uh, they're hardworking and dedicated. The ones that mm -hmm. they contact me about the shows 
and uh, they seem to really uh, want to build the program, which has had a considerable reputation for all these mm -hmm. years, because in the early 70s, one of my best friends went there and I would when I was home from college, I'd go see his shows and Alan Knoll was in them. Mimi Wolf yeah. was in them. Uh, he was taught by Wayne Louie. Mm -hmm. Oh, Wayne. I, Wayne was there when I was there. Yeah, I mean, I actually, I actually had Wayne. He, I took one of Wayne's classes. Uh huh. Well, he's a legend, and uh, sadly, mm -hmm. he died of COVID within mm -hmm. days of his wife dying of COVID uh, last year, which was very sad. And because it was at the height of COVID, they couldn't have a memorial service right away. But the tributes to him were incredible. Mm -hmm. And and his son and his son Kip. Kip Kip was. Well, when I was there, Kip was there. Yeah. yeah. And then Amy, I just saw mm. her on stage in that play I raved about Carl, the August, oh, not the August Wilson, but the Black Rep did Lynn Nottage's sweat. Ah. Amy's an integral part. So it's all connected. It's all connected. Mm -hmm. St. Well, Louis is so incestuous. <laughs> yeah. Well, and. Um, <laughs> but incredible in talent, really. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we do have a, an award we give out every year um, that's called the Wayne Louis Award. So we do have a student who gets that. And upon his passing, um, the family did donate all of his theater library to our theater library. So we are in the we are in the works of creating the, you know, Wayne Louis section of that of that library for students to be able to access, you know, all of his scripts and textbooks and everything like that. That's fantastic. Oh, wow. Well, I always think of John Contini as this August elder oh, statesman yeah. in theater. And he went there when my friend went there. And so he's one of them. He's one of the proud graduates of that whole thing. I, I do think that they have reunion, maybe pre-COVID. They always had a reunion. Alan and John and that whole crowd. So you also have a loyal alumni, I imagine. We do. We absolutely do, you know, whether it's coming to see a show or sending their support. Um, you know, we had a wonderful, wonderful couple who met in our green room years ago and they, um, you know, helped raise, they gave a considerable gift and we are in the process of redoing our green room um, so that we can, you know, our students have somewhere updated to, to hang out before the show or prep. And, you know, it, it's, it's our alumni who, really are supporting our program with, you know, their generous gifts, their word of mouth, their attending our shows, and we are so grateful. Now, I know you did one of my favorite plays by Kenneth Lonergan, mm -hmm. This Is Our Youth, yes. uh, in the fall, and then now you're doing uh, A Midsummer Night's Dream. What's next after yeah. this? Yeah, next we have Langford Wilson's um, The Rhymers of Eldritch, and we're bringing in a guest director who is a tour de force in St. Louis, Carl Overly Jr. Um, is coming in to direct that one. And then um, at the end of this year, our final performance is uh, our inaugural dance concert. You know, this is the first year we have an official dance minor. And in, in a way to celebrate that, we we are kicking it off at the Grandel with a dance concert choreographed by our students and directed by Holly Seitz Marchant, our program coordinator. Oh, wow. That's really exciting. Carl, did you know that they had a dance minor now? Well, so. I didn't know that now, but I know they, that they didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's We're really, really good. excited. 
So uh, are all the shows in the, in uh, where are all the shows at SLU? Like if somebody wants to like, hey, I want to go to this, where do they go? Yeah, um, so all of our tickets are always on sale, you know, at metrotix.com and you search SLU and it'll pull them up. Um, but the first show we did this year, this is our youth, was in the Mark Wilson Studio Theater, um, which is on campus. And this one is in the Xavier Hall main stage, which is also on campus. But since we are part of the Cranesburg Art Foundation, our shows in the spring will be, um, the Rhymers of Eldridge will be in the Cranesburg Black Box and the dance oh. concert will be in the Grandel, which will be, you know, a great space for, for a kickoff, per, you know, event that we will host often. Well, that's wonderful because they 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 in year, when it first started they just were like hey let's put on a show yeah you know and they would, <laughs> yeah they would use all sorts of spaces and places and yeah no that's wonderful so you haven't been on a stage since when when was the last time you were on stage you know I was thinking about that I think the last thing I did on stage was. Be more chill. Um, and then, of course, you know, the pandemic hit and I sort of took a pause as most theaters did. And, you know, I focused on working with students and, you know, making sure that they were safe during that time. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's it's been missed. Uh, yeah. But but, you know, this new endeavor has been great. And being just involved in the arts in any way, I'm I'm a happy camper. And, and that's really, uh, really good, especially with we still have uh, safety rules. And I know yes. the Cranford Foundation, every show I go to, uh, you have to show your ID, your back mm -hmm. card, our proof of a negative COVID test. And uh, the Cranford, all their many uh, buildings and positions, that's what you have to do. Absolutely. And, and we, we do the same. You know, we, we we're trying to figure out what our protocol would be. And as soon as the Cransbergs came out, we adapted it with our, um, with the SLU facilities and, you know, safety. And we, we follow it to the letter of the law because we want to make sure everybody has an enjoyable experience. They're not, you know, nervous or uncomfortable. And, you know, we, we do um, send out emails and constant contact to make sure our guests coming know what they need to bring, but, you know, it's been 18 months. So, so most everybody, is in the swing of how how things go now yeah well the fox the other night we uh had to do a check-in before mm -hmm. we went and then we showed our con confirmation screen to because we had to upload our vax card oh yeah and we showed our confirmation screen to one of the people at the fox but the line for confirmation was way longer than the line for people that hadn't done it yet that yeah. had a shoulder backs card. Well, so and, that, and, and I know why that is, is because it was opening night and all these people wanted to make that. If you have opening night tickets, the people that are doing the subscription, they want to be one and done. And so, mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter. They're not really saving any time because you still have to show them something anyway. So it was weird because I, I heard from people that were going to that and I, and I heard many reports about how the lines might get better or they might get worse. Well, I was surprised at how fast it went, but it was by the time I got out of the box office because we were having old home week greeting Megan 
Yes. Dylan and Stanley went with me. Uh, we were all the reviewers. We were having old home week. And then you just see everybody. And then, you know, you also have security checkpoints always at the Fox. But mm -hmm. I was like, okay, which line's confirmation and uh, which line's uh, not? Right. And it was all the way out around the block. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, this is like when they had the dogs at Hamilton. We're never going to get in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> oh man but but it, it did go pretty fast but i just felt so i mean because i mean if you want to go to a show that's what you have to do yeah and yes. even for the st louis film festival uh you have to and they're not allowing anybody under 12 in at the tivoli and uh therefore but they were like yesterday we went to a screening and uh of licorice pizza fyi i don't think we can talk about it carl but nope um for one of our fellow uh critics he walked in forgot his mask in the car and he was horrified because they stopped him and i lent him one of my <laughs> one of my masks in my purse because you know you're just that's what what you do now you just have a bunch Absolutely. of things and he goes, oh, peppermint. <laughs> I was like, yes, it was. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's just way of life now. So if you want to see theater, but it's so nice. There is nothing that replicates live theater. I could not second that more. I mean, you know, um, when you go see a movie, you know you're seeing a movie. The enjoyment of theater is being in a live space with other individuals watching a live performance and being in that one moment with, with that cast that is on stage. And you know this, there are no two performances that are ever the same. You know, the Thursday night crew had a different show than the Friday night audience and tonight's audience will be the same. And that's just, that's what I love about theater is it truly is a one moment experience. You're right. And that's right, why so we, we love it. You can find out more at uh, slu.edu mm -hmm. slash um, arts. Well, arts. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah there, there, there are a whole bunch of them, but yes, arts. Yeah. And I, rem I remember who my director was. It was Mark Landis. Mark oh, Landis okay. was my Here director in 1988 when I did As You Like It. And somebody, I don't, I actually know who, but somebody wrote on one of the back of the sets, as Mark likes it, because you know it was his show. <laughs> oh well, uh, there's nothing like working with kids because their energy. Mm -hmm. Even if they're 20 years old, I still call them kids because they have that energy and they have that different perspective. And mm -hmm. isn't it fun to be around uh, a group of people who want to be there and want to learn? Absolutely. And you know, it, it's I've worked with kids in the arts from the ages two now till 22 and it's all the same if you want to if you want to perform or sing or dance or draw or research history you that energy is just unstoppable you're right it's great it, live theater is its own gift in itself mm -hmm. if done if done well well sometimes even if it's done poorly <laughs> that's true that's true it's a different type of gift you get but <laughs> it's true <laughs> Yeah, well, there's there's like five or six productions that opened the first two weeks of December. And mm -hmm. I was just going crazy looking at my schedule, trying to fit everything in, because that's also the time where my 
my film ballots are due for the national organizations I belong to. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. And then, you know, you have family things because it's Christmas time, but Mm -hmm. it's just like, well, this is the end to a season that didn't really start till spring, right? Yeah. And then 2020. But I will say Dominic in Be More Chill, that was groundbreaking because it was on off-Broadway and then on Broadway at the same time the New Line Theater did it in St. Louis. which is rare. Which is very rare and a huge um, coup. And then uh, Dominic played the Matrix-like character. Yeah, it was so much fun. You know, I've done a lot of stuff, but I've never got to be the villain in anything. And, you know, I I like to think in real life I'm a good person. (laughs) So that... (laughs) getting to be the villain it was oh my goodness that was just so much fun so much fun it was fun seeing you in that role but carl (laughs) if you ever get an opportunity to hear dominic sing do it because he's got this fabulous voice and he's being modest today but his voice is incredibly beautiful Oh, well, thank you. That's, that'll, that made my day. That'll be a good, a good feather in my cap for the afternoon. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he does a rendition of the Jason Robert Brown, the sun and the moon Mm -hmm. song, which I always forget the title. And I love that song so much. Mm -hmm. I do too. And so good. So I hope to see you on stage and I hope to finally get to one of the shows at SLU and this Lanford Wilson play coming up. Lanford Wilson for the uninitiated is from Missouri Mm -hmm. and uh, people hardly ever do him. And I, when I saw that, because I saw the list of shows you're going to do, I was very excited Mm -hmm. because that's, that's, you know, to expose people to things that they haven't seen before. Absolutely. And, you know, the show is set in in rural Missouri and we have a St. Louis actor directing it with a cast of, you know, actors from all over the country because, you know, it's a university. But it'll be it'll be interesting to see, you know, just how close to home that that performance is. Yeah, well, I look forward to that. Oh, where can if, if people want to find out about your program, what's the website? Yeah, so you can visit slu.edu forward slash arts, and that'll take you to the main art page where you'll see all of our listings. There's two theater buttons you can click on. There's the theater and dance program, which talks about, you know, the theater major and minor and the dance minor, or there's the U theater button, um, which will take you to the actual performance listings, as well as our friends of the theater program, and you can... um, immediately go to our online box office from that page as well. Is it, is it weird to be back or is, I mean, is it really fun to be back or is, is it a strange feeling like we didn't do this for a year over? Yeah. You know, it was really, it was really interesting with the first show this year. Um, And then, you know, once we, once we got through that and all the COVID protocol and we sat down and postmortem and figured out what worked and what didn't now it's, it's, just it feels like old old times but with masks you know (laughs) and theater people with masks (laughs) exactly (laughs) well and our student our performers um you know they they are performing maskless but their dedication they're getting tested every day to make sure that they can perform that evening and that that's dedication that you don't get you know even from 
all major theater companies across the country, but the fact that our, our, perform, our student performers are going on their own time, even on the weekends, to, to get that nose swab so they can put on a good show says, says a lot about the program and their dedication. Oh, yeah, that's great. Well, well if we're, we're going to talk about SLU, we also have to mention the uh, congratulations to the men's soccer team and yeah. to, to the basketball team playing down in Mexico next week. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot happening on campus right now. <laughs> and and my daughter is my daughter has actually taken enough classes at St. Louis University, where my wife and I met, uh, to go into school wherever she's going to go next year as a sophomore. So thank you, oh, St. Louis awesome. University. <laughs> thank you, 1818 classes. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's impressive. Uh, she's smart. I don't uh, she gets it from her mother. Yeah. Well, so so even though my wife and I went to SLU, um, my daughter is continuing the tradition, even if she doesn't live down there like we did. Yeah. Yeah, which is and and every time you go by the campus, it's it gets really, bigger. It gets bigger. Mm -hmm. You're like that was that building wasn't there before. I don't remember this building. Oh my gosh, I used to park there. And then I saw a sign this week that Humphreys is going to open back up. The people that oh. own JP Fields are have a big investment in it mm -hmm. my mind is blown <laughs> well it's but because i know the person that originally bought it and they they sold off like everything for parts but now humphreys is going to open up and it, it is very exciting and it made it made a friend of mine who no longer drinks sad he's like well i guess i can go there and have part of the experience from 25 years ago <laughs> You can't go home again, Carl. That's true. True. You know you can't. Well, they what serve are you breakfast? At? They serve. I would. I used to go there at seven o'clock in the morning, and Jan would serve us breakfast. But God bless Jan. She did it for so long that uh, it, it was. I'm glad Jan got to retire in style. Mm. Well, when I came home from Illinois State University, um, I would hang with the slew kids at the the hangouts all over that Laclede and mm -hmm. all the all the and they were all dumpy back in the mid 70s they're but, still dumpy well <laughs> it was fun that's they're where college I bars. they're supposed to be dumpy right that's where i spent my 21st birthday in the slew in the <laughs> slew bubble in the slew bubble i actually spent my 21st birthday in a class at St. Louis University. And then we went out after that because I was doing mornings on Keishi at the time. And so I was taking night classes. And so at night I would take classes, but it was my 21st birthday. And it was like, are you gonna go? And I'm like, yeah, of course I'm gonna go. <laughs> and so I went to the class and I might've been drinking in the class. I don't remember most of that day. So <laughs> I did go to class that day though. Well, Carl, I, I have very... lots of slew stories that Dominic, I love to tell you, and I can't. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, as you can tell, Carl's a very proud graduate of SLU High. And I just, I mean, not SLU University, University. Yeah, don't you? Hey, hey, I'm a CDC yeah, I'm boy. I'm sorry, you're not, you're not the SLU High mafia that we know. You mean know. SLU? SLU? That's what we call it, SLU. <laughs> or the U High, which is not not as not as demeaning as it sounds yeah well yeah, yeah cbc you know you know Christian how st louis is College high school yes right you know dominic how st louis is about their high schools oh yes yeah yeah but i went to the clayton campus not the one out at 
270 and 40. I went to the mm. original, the Clayton campus, which is now a part of Washu, I think. Washu, yeah, yeah. It's it's changed hands. Once once I left there, they just couldn't do anything with it. Well, that's where <laughs> New Line used to perform mm -hmm. because that's when my first entry back there was. Well, Tom and Murray Dominic, made that theater beautiful. That theater was fantastic. And then uh, Dominic was a big part of the New Line ensemble. So we're going full circle. We're doing yes. six degrees of separation. So what are you and Mike? You're wonderfully talented husband. What are you doing for the holidays? Got any big you know, plans? Yeah, no, you know, Thanksgiving is real low key this year. It's just, it's us and, you know, my sister will be joining us, which is great. Um, we'll see, you know, we have so many nephews now. <clears throat> so Christmas will be, you know, as the couple without kids is the travel holiday for us. <laughs> so, so we usually split our time. Um, but this year, you know, we're just keeping it low key, not doing too much too much big things um you know i have some students who are performing in the christmas carol at the rep so i'm gonna go see them and i have students doing stuff all all throughout town so i'll check in with them because then you know i'm that teacher that shows up when my students <laughs> have stuff um but well, yeah, that's, yeah just... that's that's another wonderful thing too well you expect them to show up to things so yeah. when you show up it's it's, it's reciprocal Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Dominic, I have a question for you. My yeah. wife and daughter, because they, we haven't been able to do this for two years, they always go to uh, the Two Hill and see the Nutcracker, and mm. they haven't done this for a while. Are there any other Nutcracker St. Louis theater things that you are aware that I can say, hey, maybe you should try this? Because I know I know Stiefel's doing the hip hop Nutcracker. They've done yeah. that, and they've and they they've done that one already so are anything that you would recommend being a st louis theater maven yeah you know i don't i can't think off the top of my head of much coming up and i apologize i've been you know no, no, wrapped no, no. in, I sprung this in on my you. bubble right, right. <laughs> um i've been so focused on on getting slew up and running um i don't mean myself up and running but my portion <laughs> of what i do up and running right. um that i've untapped but you know Mike and I, in addition to going and seeing those students, we're, we're going to see um, the Symphony's Muppet Christmas Carol, because that's my favorite Christmas movie. So I'm excited about that. That could be a lot of fun. You know, the Symphony's playing the music live while the Muppet movie right. is playing in the background. And they're doing um, Up on January 2nd also. Oh, yes. I will be sitting that one out as you know, I, not many, I'm sure everybody who knows me knows this, but I cry at the opening of an envelope. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to sit that one out. I think. Doesn't Pixar make you cry every single oh my movie? Gosh. Every single, you know, my whole life, I grew up with the Toy Story movies and it, I have to watch them all, but the whole time I'm waiting for like my stomach to drop in and mm -hmm. the tears to come. But, but, you know, and you know, Lynn, Mike and I are very big Disney Pixar people. Um, whether it's the movies or traveling, we, we are Disney Pixar folks. And I will say that uh, this year, I, did you see Luca? I haven't yet. It's on our, it's on our holiday watch list. We have a, a bunch of stuff that we watch when we're off. Let know, them work, get their show but... off the ground first. Yeah. I know. Well, I'm just putting it on the radar. I'm just putting it yeah. on the radar because all Pixar movies make me cry. Mm-hmm. So some but more up, than others. Up, make, I, up makes you cry in the first 10 minutes. Well, yeah. Oh, that opening, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, 
Paul, I was very fortunate to participate in a round table back in 2009 when Up came out and I sat next to Pete Doctor and uh, uh, the co-director and uh, I just remembered Tom O'Keefe asking, well, you know, this isn't a movie you can have action figures to. <laughs> you yeah, can't have like, like old Carl, you know. <laughs> oh, and okay, every... so now if you're going to do now, here, Dominic, put this on your list. Watch Doug Days on Disney Plus also, because okay. that is the story of Carl and Doug. And oh, Russell, yes. Russell shows up too. I, I don't know now that Ed Asner has passed. I hope he recorded enough lives that they could do a season two, but it is very well done. I, I love oh. Doug Days. Yeah. Oh, it is. It's the mind of the dog. And so, of course, yeah. when he sees a squirrel, he goes berserk. But it's hilarious. It's so you are my enemy, squirrel. It's it's so it's so loving. And then Luca also has a mm -hmm. new short with uh, Ciao Alberto. Well, no, but I mean, it's, it's still it's dull. It that that new short is dull. Nothing happens in it. It's just it. They had said, you know what? Let's have an emotional moment and that for it's only five minutes long and it feels like an eternity it's it's boring and i did not care for it all right and and carl <laughs> is one who carl is one who goes to the mouse house a couple times a year so mm. i was there two weeks ago yeah and so. i told my my disney friends do not like me uh peeing in the pool so i said i will keep my comments about chow alberto to myself and they're like, no, 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 tell us. And then they get mad. Yeah. Well, there you go. So you got plenty to watch over the holidays. Anything else you're looking forward to or anything else that you and Mike got obsessive about this year? Watching? Um, you know, other than like being completely wrapped up in what Marvel has been doing through Disney Plus, I mean, WandaVision, Loki, Hawkeye, we're uh, the What If series. Mm -hmm. We're we look we look forward to those so much you know and um I'll, I'll take some time you know next week while i'm prepping thanksgiving dinner i'll go back through the the marvel lineup now that we have shang chi out which i we absolutely loved and and plug that into it and try to try to figure it out where we we like to try to puzzle piece now when things take place and where they take place and how it's going to fit into the canon so that's been that's a fun fun game that we play <laughs> what what i would have liked to have happened and now shang chi's out on disney plus now so mm -hmm. i can say this in the final end credit scene i would have loved to have emily van camp show up in that scene that mm. would have been a fantastic ending but that did not happen because that would tie the tv into the movies which they say everything's connected but if emily van mm -hmm. camp would have showed up into that 10 rings camp that would have been fantastic. Yeah. Well, uh, Simi Yu is going to be the host of SNL Saturday evening. Mm. Yes. And uh, this is a first. Yeah. For oh, them. Yeah. So this is huge. This is huge. Yeah. Well, you know, SNL is always, always pushing the envelope and breaking ground and trying to diversify themselves. So this is, this is, I'm, I, you know, I'm a huge, I grew up with SNL even when i wasn't supposed to be watching it exactly <laughs> that's, that's how you watch it and as lauren michael says the the your favorite cast is when you were in high school so mm. 
That's, yeah, I that's graduated how it in is. 2005. So that was, I think, like the Maya Rudolph and Amy Poehler, Tina Fey days. And, and Jason Sudeikis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I uh, always tell people, because I'm way older than anybody else, um, that I watched it as a senior in college. The first episode was George Carlin. And we had heard about these people because Second City, and I say a lot of people were Chicago and they would mm -hmm. go to Second City. And uh, so we were anticipating it. And then because of being a college town, speaking of the very primitive large screen TVs with that awful picture would be at the bars and everybody would oh. stop on Saturday nights to watch SNL. Nice. The first season. And that if, if, if you remember, the first five seasons with that cast are amazing, but not every you you only see the good skits over and mm -hmm. over and over. There was a lot of crap in the first five seasons of Saturday Night Live. I would oh, say there was that, there was like they had the Muppets on doing a, like a story yeah. for an entire season. There were there were a lot of bits that just didn't land. But they never show those over and over again. Yeah. So you don't, that you lose the nostalgia. Yeah. No, but but you know, as for as for groundbreaking, and then Chevy Chase left after a year, and then here comes Bill Murray. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. that just showed, and then when the rest when the 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 core group left, they had Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Well, and, not no, they had Eddie Murphy was a bit player for that first year. Like they they had people like Charles Rocket. They had they, they, it was it was an interest 1980 was a weird season for Saturday Night Live. 80, yeah, 80 81 was the, because also Lauren left too. So right. it was, well, I was Dick Ebersol that with Dick Ebersol. That was a very stranger. I have seen them all. One of my very favorites was when Billy Crystal and Martin Short said, OK, we're going to give you a year. Yes, yeah. that was that was the hired gun year. But Julia Louis-Dreyfus was a part of that year. And mm -hmm. and, and her Martin husband, Short, Brad Hall. Well, Brad Hall was there before that. So it, okay. I love the hired gun year because that they did so much in just one year. Mm -hmm. Why, are, Dominic, why are we talking about all of this? I mean, that's just how the arts go. <laughs> you go down one rabbit hole and when you find somebody who's interested in, you know, the things you are, it just manifests itself into existence. <laughs> Well, SNL, because Simi Liu is going mm -hmm. to be host tonight, then we're going to have, uh, I just, it just went out the window. Who's the Billie, next? Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish. Mm. And then Paul going Rudd. Billie Eilish is yeah. going to be the sole performer that night. Music and oh, yeah. host. It's well, been a while since there's been one of those. Yes. And if you see her documentary on Apple Plus, very good. The right. world's a little blurry. Very that child, Carl that and child I, is well documented. Yes, <laughs> as as that age is. Mm -hmm. And then Paul Rudd's going to be on Sexiest Man Alive, who has uh, not only another Ant Man Marvel movie coming out, but he's in the current Ghostbusters. Which Carl mm -hmm. and I, this is a good segue. Uh, segue, uh, Car. Uh, Dominic, are you a Ghostbusters fan? Did you grow up? With I that? am. I grew. up, I had you know all the toys. I remember I had the the ghost trap that you would step and the air would open it up. <laughs> I had I had the proton pack and the proton coming out was like a pool noodle, you know, one of those. I loved it. And I I loved the 
the reboot with with Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig and that crew. I loved it. It was so much fun, and and I can't wait to see this one. I am a Ghostbuster kid. Well, I think you're going to be extremely disappointed, Dom. <laughs> oh. Because, well, for, first, first reason one, it's not a comedy. Oh. And, er- and everybody goes, what, what, what? This is a horror film, uh, a light horror though. I mean, it's something like you'd see the Frighteners. Like, yeah, it's PG thirteen okay. horror film, so it's not it's not like slasher horror. This it's thriller, um, it's not no blood, no blood, no. But gotcha. it's 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 not funny, and everything that you've heard about this movie is wrong, because it is not a Paul Rudd movie, it is not a Carrie Coons movie. The original stars, all of them are only in it each for two scenes. This movie is a McKenna Grace movie. It's about the kids. It's the next yeah. generation. It's not it's, even yeah. Wolf. It's not even uh, Finn Wolf. Or it's it's McKenna Grace. It is her movie, and they are uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Misrepresenting themselves. Mm. And so I understand. Yeah, it is not. It is not what you think, and it is not very good. And I have a theory. I have a theory about what has happened with this movie. This movie was written by Jason Reitman and Gil Keenan. I believe that this was a Gil Keenan movie because Gil Keenan has done Monster House and Poltergeist on television and Scream Mm -hmm. on television. Um, I believe that this was a Gil Keenan movie that Jason Reitman took and shoehorned, maybe that's the bad word, created a Ghostbusters movie out of. Mm. I think that this was originally not a Ghostbusters movie and they forced a whole bunch of Ghostbusters stuff into this movie because a lot of the things that they have happened in this movie are not true to the Ghostbusters characters that we've known and love. Gotcha. Yeah, I gotcha. Lynn, what do you think um, about that? I, I purposely did not listen to your max on movies clip from ktrs radio this weekend because i wanted you to tell me it live and have me react to it live like save it for the air as that you radio just like i said say what do you think and i i think i think that's a really uh plausible theory and uh i wrestled with my feelings on this because i saw it with a First of all, my kids were uh, like you, Dom, Dominic. Mm-hmm. They uh, had the they watched the real Ghostbusters. Yes, they had all the toys. Uh, when when the sequel came out, they wore their little jumpsuits to the movie. Yes, and uh, so Ghostbusters was a huge part of their childhood, uh, and therefore I look on it as great uh, nostalgia. We're right in the middle of an '80s nostalgia wave. Um, which is weird which is because that's 40 years ago i know but that that tends to happen you know no they usually come out 20 years later right now there should be a 2001 2002 renaissance and there Mm. really isn't it like happy days came out 20 years after the 50s the 80s renaissance happened in the 2000s it's the 90s renaissance actually did happen 10 years ago we should be looking at the turn of the century right now but people want to look back further 
Well, we right. kind of are getting that 90s buildup with the, you know, not to get off topic here, but, you know, there's but, that yeah. Scream 5 coming out, which I feel right. like every, that sort of kicks off that reboot of stuff that has come out before. I, you know, it was what, 10 years ago, the right. Scream 4 came out and we got a whole slew of, oh, let's remake all this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then, and then, so um, I wrestled with this after seeing it because I didn't think the modern stuff was was all. It didn't connect the dots for me. Mm. No, because we're in the middle of Oklahoma, a dirt farm, a rural town, and New York City was so much a part of Ghostbusters, and uh, it is credited with reviving how people thought of New York City. Uh, not as more welcoming. And, you know, there was a huge boom. We, we call it the Disneyization of Broadway, but they oh, really yeah. did clean up Manhattan and it was attractive. I have a theory because both my boys lived in Manhattan and my youngest son still lives in Brooklyn that guys moved there because of Seinfeld and girls moved there because of Sex in the City. <laughs> But first, there was the Ghostbusters mm-hmm. from the mid-80s that made New York more attractive. And so they take away the big city element. Now, um, I was wrestling between a C-plus and a B-minus, and I went with the B-minus just because of the homage to Harold Ramis. Now, some mm-hmm. people have different views on it. and it, the, it, the, it, it, it's, it's unearned, and it feels hokey and what they do is i teared up but still it's unearned especially after they trash his character yeah which is odd because wouldn't egon have uh filled in the guys about it but just to see ernie hudson and bill murray and dan Aykroyd with the proton packs again i gave it that so i softened my stance about it because they do uh, uh, have that element to it, which hasn't been in 30 or 40 yeah. years, like you said, Carl. And so, uh, well, 35, whatever. Anyway, well, the, the, the uh, they were in movie, the sequel. They the were in second, the sequel. The second movie, which is barely mentioned at all, there, Max and I argued about this. Max believes that they've erased Ghostbusters 2 out of existence. And I said, no, there are certain, there are three circumstantial things that mention Ghostbusters 2. One, Ray is in a bookstore from Ghostbusters 2. Two, they have a scene with two characters together. And there is a scene where two characters are not together. And the two characters not being together, which I don't want to say because that is spoilery, eh, venturing on spoilery. But in Ghostbusters 2, two characters are together that are no longer together. And that makes me think that Ghostbusters 2 does exist in this world, except it's it's more about a direct sequel to 1984, but it doesn't treat its characters very well. And it's Hmm. not funny. And it's Stranger Things. I honestly, Lynn, this was a movie that was called The Dirt Farmer. And now it's called Ghostbusters Afterlife. Well, I did think that the uh, the romance between Carrie Coon and Paul Rudd is a stretch, but Paul Rudd can make any, anything charming, and he plays a very lazy summer school teacher, which in itself is funny. But my favorite part is they take the giant Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, and they use that as mini 
Stay Puft Marshmallow <laughs> men. And that seems adorable. It's like, yeah, but, but why? Presses. Why? There's no reason for those Stay Puft of everything in that. Uh, it's kind of it's a, it's a Walmart. Anything in that Walmart, the one thing that comes to life are the Stay Puft Marshmallow men. That's dumb. It doesn't well, even make sense. Uh, no, well, the demon dog comes out. No, Come the on. demon mm -hmm. dog is looking for the Keymaster is looking for the gatekeeper. So no, that's not they're looking for a human host. And that makes sense. Just the marshmallows coming to life, that is they they overspent too much money on CGI for that to even make any sense. Yeah, the CBI the CGI does get a little, you now, know, I it's will, all that. I, with our, once again, I'm not going to be spoilery, but there is some CGI in this movie that is perfection. And it's near the end, and Lynn already knows what I'm talking about. It's going to make her cry. And I probably said too much, but it is really well done. But it's yeah, not so. what you think. It's not what you think. So I know but people are going to see this movie. But I will say, it's, it's when you hear the Ghostbusters theme, everybody just has this just totally touchstone wave of nostalgia. I talked to people who loved this movie, loved it. Why? And then I've oh. talked to, you know, they just, they're, they're, they're going back to their childhood. It makes it's them not a comedy. There is nothing about this that makes it Ghostbuster except for a couple cameos. Well, I do think the Paul Rudd character is pretty funny. He uh, he teaches. He teaches. No, he's not. McKenna Grace tells better jokes, and she's trying to. She's trying to not. She's an awkward teen, and she's wearing a big black wig too. She's got beautiful blonde hair, and she's wearing this wig just to make her look like Egon Spangler. She's Egon's granddaughter. Uh, she's a very good actress. She's been in Young Sheldon and Fuller House, mm -hmm. but also she was in the movie Gifted. With well, Chris she, Evans, she always plays the younger version. She played the younger version of Tanya Harding and I, Tanya. Mm -hmm. She plays. She plays the younger version of everybody. Yeah, and she's she's going places. And for people who like Stranger Things, Finn Wolfhard, but the Logan Kim is pretty good as the sidekick. And then yeah. uh, the girl that was in uh, Sela and the Spades and. Yes. Uh, uh, she's very good. Is it Celeste O'Connor? Celeste O'Connor, yeah. And and she's she's great, but they try to make her like a Zendaya type character. Uh, but mm. she she was also in Freaky. She's the friend in Freaky. That's right. Oh that's right. yeah, yeah. And that's... and McKenna Grace also is tying it all back. She is young Carol Danvers in Captain Marvel. Yeah. Uh -huh. Blonde hair, blonde hair, and all, but. This is her movie, and she is really good in it. She is, when this movie was The Dirt Farmer, which I'm sure she didn't even know that it was called The Dirt Farmer, because that's what I'm calling it. When this movie was The Dirt Farmer, she would have been a breakout star. But now she's going to be in Ghostbusters, and I don't know if she's going to, this should be a star-making vehicle for her, and it's, they're making it seem like it's a Paul Rudd movie. It's not. Mm. Well, let's let's uh, move on to uh, somebody we can all agree on, Jonathan Larson. Mm. Uh, what was your uh, What was your first reaction, Dominic, when you saw Ren for the first time? So the first time I saw it on stage, I was in college, and it was when um, Anthony Rapp and Adam Pascal were touring, 
and I saw it at the Fox, you know, I got those student rush tickets. So I was in like, what, row E, <laughs> like, you know, cause they hold those tickets. And I absolutely loved it, you know, and I was just enamored by it. And I, being a musical theater student went down that, you know, music rabbit hole and came across Tick, Tick, Boom. And, you know, why was in my songbook forever. Um, and when I heard that this was becoming a film, I, I love when musicals that aren't necessarily produced all the time or that are done a lot or even known become a film because it, it you know, from an educator standpoint, it introduces people to more material and then more things get discovered. Um, so I was really excited about this one. Well, um, I got to participate, I'm dropping names here, with the director, Lin-Manuel Miranda, and the star, ah. Amy Garfield, in a Q&A last week. And I, uh, we, this is what happens. We get to do these Q&As, but we just watch. And if we have a question, we submit it to a moderator. And the moderator asks Andrew Garfield my question. <laughs> Let me tell you. I was like so excited, but I had seen this. Did you say, are you in Spider-Man No Way Home? Is that what you asked? No, I asked him, <laughs> um, uh, this is the question I ask. Uh, and they said, uh, Lynn Venhaus from Webster Kirkwood Times is asking, uh, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda said that uh, Rent changed his life when he saw it at age 17. Andrew, did you have an influence when uh, you were young uh, uh, that led you to a career in the arts? And also, what was your first reaction to seeing Rent? And he went on very thoughtfully. It was very lovely. And he's so, I will say this, Andrew Garfield will surprise the heck out of anybody who doesn't think he's a fantastic actor because he, he not only looks like Jonathan Larson, mm -hmm. but he has channeled him in this film. He has so much joy. But in talking about this movie with Lin-Manuel, who makes his directorial debut for a feature film, even though he seems to be everywhere. Yeah. Because Encanto's coming out, his Disney movie. Oh, yeah. He was in Vivo, which is charming and delightful on Netflix. And if you haven't seen it, everybody, if you want a jolt of joy, there you go. And then uh, he's also you know, the Hamilton juggernaut's still going on. So, you know, he seems to be everywhere, but he and Andrew did this Q and A in like, they were in an empty theater and the joy, the joy that Andrew just goes on about. And it's just, it's, it celebrates this movie, celebrates the dreamer in everyone mm -hmm. and the creative process because it is a struggling Jonathan Larson at age 30 in 1990. And he's wondering if he's ever gonna make something out of his songwriting efforts. And it cuts into uh, his uh, doing a showcase at this theater workshop to get people to back his musical called Suburbia, which was, <laughs> a loosely based musical on George Orwell's 1984. And his grizzled agent, Judith Light says to him, write what you know, kid. And <laughs> uh, then, you know, Rent is born. Mm -hmm. But sadly at age 35, he had a aortic, a aortic 
dissection and died the day of its off-Broadway premiere, which is so tragic. So as tragic as his death is, and they tell his story and they show the real one, you know, at the end, um, this movie is just full of joy and it brims with vitality and it has a cast that's just incredible. Uh, besides uh, Andrew Garfield as Jonathan Larson, who I do think he should be nominated for all the uh, for all the awards, all the awards this year. And uh, Robin De Jesus mm. plays his best friend Michael, and his girlfriend is played by Alexandra Ship. And then Joshua Henry, three time Tony nominee with the most gorgeous voice, mm -hmm. is one of his singers in the showcase. Now, wait a minute. Hold on, hold, on, hold on. I thought the movie was just a, a, the play was just three characters and that they've, they've, uh, they've expanded, expanded it. Yes. Okay. Just okay. like Judith Lights' his agent. Mm -hmm. um, Bradley Whitford plays Stephen Sondheim because Sondheim was such an influence on him and actually uh, approved him for a grant and also was uh, left very complimentary message on his voicemail and uh, was very supportive of Larson. And they're waiting for him to show up at this showcase. They have a seat reserved for him, Stephen Sondheim. And Bradley Whitford is great as Sondheim. And uh, he was on Colbert one night and uh, he said, they told Stephen Sondheim that Bradley Whitford was gonna play him. And he said, who's Bradley Whitford? <laughs> Emmy winner for West Wing and uh so he's he's really good but uh they expanded and then so so the the people the backup singers so to speak in the showcase are uh Joshua Henry and Vanessa Hudgens of high school musical fame she has the killer song come to your senses and the whole movie builds up to that song because he's having terrible writer's block. He's having all the stress and anxiety. The movie cuts into uh, Tick, Tick, Boom being bi autobiographical in terms of his angst and his feelings and um, all that. But it also shows Tick, Tick, Boom. But um, his monologue is from what now people call boho days but then it turned into after he died they took that and they revised it into tick tick boom so okay. and jonathan larson posthumously won the pulitzer prize and three tony awards for rent and rent revolutionized musical theater when the guy yeah. says i'm the future of musical theater he's not lying mm -mm. no that is absolutely true and one of the best, I'm not going to spoil this for you, but it's on Netflix streaming right now. And I encourage everybody, even if you are not familiar with Rent or Jonathan Larson, just watch it. But there is a scene. How are you not familiar with Rent? You're not going to turn on Tick, Tick, Boom if you're not familiar with Rent. Well, yeah. I mean, but some people, you know. Would uh, you just, suggest for them to watch Rent first? Well, not the movie. Well, it'll make you want to watch Rent afterwards but that production that dominic talked about mm -hmm. uh, with anthony rapp and uh, adam pascal that was electric mm -hmm. I, that was just unbelievably electric and yes they were older i didn't care it was them it was the real guys doing mm -hmm. it and uh they are i will spoil this they are in tick tick boom what 
It's like nice. uh, Tick Tick Boom is like a Where's Waldo of Broadway legend. <laughs> and Tony Winners and casts of Hamilton and, uh, and somebody who was in town this summer for King Lear. Yes. Mm. Yes. And so it's so fun. I got to watch it again now that it's on Netflix. I'm like, I have to watch that scene again. It's an homage to Stephen Sondheim. It's called the Sunday brunch scene. Okay. I'll look for it when I'm, yeah. <laughs> and even our esteemed director is, uh, yeah. So no, it's so, it yeah. celebrates that anybody who dreams big. And, mm -hmm. and so that's the takeaway, but it's yeah. so well done. It's so, you know, because Lin-Manuel Miranda gets it. Yeah. You yeah. know, I, I, whenever I'm working with, whenever I'm teaching, I feel like rent because you know musical theater and broadway shows are broken up into all those different categories you know golden era contemporary i always refer to you know rent as kicking off what i call the new golden era of musical theater you know that 1996 to like 2010 where we got wicked and all these shows and there that was when shows started to go really deep with subject matter and not be afraid to present you know what's up front and or what's correction to put up front what <laughs> we're all thinking and what's behind what's in the past yeah and i'm gonna blow your mind because most the 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 uh, my play kids as i call them when i used to do community theater and youth productions they were so inspired by rent that was mm -hmm. the big boom in their lives but then we have the next generation who was inspired by spring awakening Mm -hmm. and or book of mormon yes yeah you're but right would we have gotten to spring awakening or book of mormon if we didn't have a rent to precede it no we would not well but, i don't know uh, the, those south park guys they're very smart and they realize that they can make a whole bunch of money by writing a play yeah and then also uh because of avenue q they could do that yeah. too so it all it's all stepping stones but i will blow well, your those, mind those guys were sesame workshop people that couldn't get their dirty minds on television so they <laughs> they decided to have some fun avenue q is just a fun side project for those guys yeah i got to interview john tortaglia who was pinocchio mm -hmm. in shrek that's why i was interviewing him and he comes to the muni every year and in fact robin de jesus we're going to be doing another full circle moment. he was in aladdin at the muni in the pre-broadway trial yes mm -hmm. so drove, there you go drove, drove a motorcycle through the crowd yeah well that was john tortaglia as the as the genie but this guy is creative off the charts so wonderful to talk to but yeah he was one of the original uh he was one of the puppeteers on sesame street that went on to avenue q and shrek and and everything else but uh this will blow your mind i was reading the playbill online because of the tick tick boom premiere and everything mm -hmm. and uh Spring Awakening had a reunion concert. Yes. And they filmed it and it's going to be on later this year. Yes, I Summer. did see that. I did see, you know, that was, that also came out when I was in college and, you know, it was one of those, one of those shows that everybody in the musical theater department either wanted to see, sing from, or, or be in. And, you know, it's nice that it's, it still has a place 
in in the hearts of people. Yeah, well, they had, uh, and everybody came back, John Gallagher Jr., uh, mm-hmm. Jonathan Groff, Leah Michelle, uh, Skylar Aston, uh, and and a bunch more of the people that I didn't even know were in the original. Yeah. And so that's very exciting. So there is a theater um, uh, thing this week, and um, we're going to move on to sadder subjects. But speaking of theater, drama therapy is used a lot in... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, to help healing of people. And that's a whole thing that, that maybe uh, people are not aware of that drama therapy is used. So this director that is now at the University of Missouri, Columbia School of Journalism, he is the filmmaker in chief of the School for Documentary Journalism named Robert Green. And he made a movie uh, about sexual uh, abuse victims by priests it's called procession and it is now also on netflix streaming as of november 19th it was the premier film at the st louis international film festival and it is based on uh, men in kansas city and there are some other missouri cases but it focuses on six men who come back to kansas city and they participate with this drama therapist on reenacting rituals in the Catholic Church and uh, their, their abuse as like age 13 boy, uh, young boys, and it really helps them healing. But the six men were at the film festival opening night for a Q&A, as was the director who received the Contemporary Cinema Award. Oh, I and, thought one of them couldn't make it. So they all oh, made yeah, it? Yeah, 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 one. The one from New York. The one oh. from New York had a family emergency. and couldn't. That's right. So five of the six were there. And the audience was enraptured by their the Q&A. And they stayed for a very long time to answer that. But it's a very powerful movie. At first, I told the director this when I interviewed him. At first, I was like, I don't know about this. I don't know about this drama therapy. This seems to be a road that's going to be very painful. But mm-hmm. what you see in this film is that the men bond and they have a healing part. Yes. And that's really an important aspect. And so this drew attention to that. But the state's attorney from Kansas City that is in this movie, uh, she has dealt with 230 cases of child sexual abuse uh, by clergy. That's awful. So that's that's daunting, in fact. Mm-hmm. And uh, the survivor network of those abused by pre-SNAP, David Clossy was their uh, activist for many years. And he's taken, uh, he's not taken a back seat, but he's not in the public eye as much. But he, he was active in this film too. And uh, so it's an important film. Netflix is pushing it as one of the best documentaries of the year. The St. Louis, uh, the uh, Critics' Choice Association named it as one of the 10 nominees for their best documentary feature. Mm-hmm. And uh, I encourage everybody, you might think like, I don't know if I want to watch this, but I think it's an important film to watch. And I think mm-hmm. you will see people heal. Yeah. yeah. So, and then another, and well, uh, we have another life affirming movie, Carl. We have King Richard. With I saw a, King Richard mm. today. 
with an Oscar nominee, future Oscar nominee, certain for Will Smith. In fact, I think he's the front runner um, right now. Yeah, I think so. I think you could see a Best Supporting Actor in there too from uh, John Bernthal. Very good. This is the true story of Venus and Serena Williams. And my well, no, no, it's not. It's the story of Richard Williams. It is the story. They that that is the only criticism that that is getting from a lot of people is that why do we have to find out about Venus and Serena's childhood through the lens of their father? Which, but I think it works. I think it, it works. Does, it Absolutely. does work. It does work. But there there are moments of it where it's more about King Richard than it is about Venus and Serena, which is which is part of the problem and they actually address that in the film when they have her mother uh brandy price she she is oh her part is small but mighty oh yeah ingenue ellis you she was on yes. lovecraft country mm -hmm. uh, most recently oh she's fantastic but she makes the most of what i mean she only has a couple really powerful scenes but she's good in it she later, uh, or scene Brandy Price later divorced Richard. Hmm. So, Imagine that. So we don't, this film stops in the mid 90s hmm. uh, after Venus turns pro and before Serena became the force. Together, they, they each have four Olympic gold medals, four medals, because one of them is silver. And, uh, Totally, they have won 30 Grand Slam titles with Serena having the 23. So Venus was first and then Serena, but it all starts with that. The two girls that play them, Sanaya Sydney and Demi Singleton, are fantastic. And, they and, are and not only not only that, but the tennis scenes in this, those girls and their athletic prowess and the filming of the tennis scenes, both of those the the choreography. And their acting makes this a believable film. Yeah, because you don't see too many tennis films. My sister works for the USTA out in California. Mm. And I told her right after I saw it, you guys have got to see this. You will love it. Because we don't see that much. And if you watch the Grand Slams, Wimbledon, uh, French Open, US Open, Australia, you see different types of tennis, but the Williams girls have dominated the sport for so long. You, you take that for granted. You yeah. don't realize the doors that they opened. And so this film shows them at the Lily White country clubs crash in the party. Well, and at the time, at the time, that was the thing that well, no yeah. it was, they broke shattered. The color barrier in tennis mm -hmm. they were very uh, much trailblazers in mm -hmm. uh the sport and this honors that but it also there would be no Ver venus and serena without richard williams he took them to the court in compton the neighborhood court and uh the compton turned, country club yeah turned them into champions he did the open stance that they're that they are known for. Um, mm. he, he guided them, but he realized he was so pushy and abrasive. And a lot of people didn't uh, like him. And even Rick Macy, who runs the tennis academy that landed the girls, Serena was 10. So 
I think uh, Venus was what 12 when Richard pulled him out of juniors and uh, Venus had won 69 uh, tournaments to nothing. And uh, there's frustrating because he, he ran their lives. And then mm -hmm. when uh, endorsements came calling with uh, Nike and everything, he's like, Venus, what do you want to do? You know, because they were like, this is only for one night. You reject it. That's it. And it just shows that whole process too. But it's very fascinating in terms of how champions are made and just the world of professional tennis. Mm -hmm. And, and we're, always, uh, we're always bitching about how movies are too long. This movie is 215, 220, does not feel long for one second. Proving, oh, proving that if a movie's good, you don't care how long it is. No, and you do have a killer song from Beyonce for the for the end the credits. End. Yeah, be alive. And, and the, so the soundtrack is pretty. It's pretty of the time as well. Oh, awesome. These are these are songs that would be playing in the radio when these girls are either at the country club or driving in the car. Yeah, and Will Smith gets this Richard right. He grew Richard Williams grew up in uh, Louisiana. So he gets the cadence right. He he's gained got a, 20. He's got slight lisp as well. Yeah, he he uh uh gained 25 pounds so he would look mm. more like uh Richard Williams. He uh had a 78 page plan for their success. Now there are three other daughters in this, and I went back to research it because I was like, well, why just Venus and Serena? Well, the three those are, other those are his kids, those the other yeah. ones were her kids, right. She had three children, uh, three daughters when they got married, and oh. therefore uh, Venus and Serena were his. But apparently, uh, the movie indicates he's got other kids. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is not this is not a so to speak whitewashing of Richard Williams. They do not make him look like a good person. This is warts and all of Richard Williams. They they do not cover anything up that he is. They don't make him look like a friendly person. They make him look like a conniving businessman. And they make him look like he has many issues, which it warts and all, that's that's good. I mean, it makes the girls look even better. Yeah, and that's something I love about any biopic is when it's not just the clean cut what you see. Like, you know, people, no matter how good a person is, they've got some character flaw or they've done something bad. And to show it just humanizes that person even more and helps you connect with those stories so that's good to hear that it's not you know a cookie cutter clean cut after school special <laughs> right it is now streaming on hbo max and it also is in theaters if you prefer that but well, uh they, I highly they, they, they do kind of uh gloss over tundi the oldest sister who was valedictorian of her class and was the personal assistant for the sisters, she was murdered. And they, they don't really mention, I mean, they talk, I know they want to end it positive, but you know, uh, they, if they're going to give updates on everybody, they should give updates on everybody. They don't, mm -hmm. they don't say that the, that Richard and his wife got, divorce they don't mention about the murder of this they just leave you on a positive note which i understand but since it's it seems weird because they've been telling you everything about everyone and then they leave that out mm -hmm. 
Right. Well, uh, the uh, Serena was on Jimmy Kimmel the other night, and uh, she said her sister Isha was very much a part of the film. Like she was on set all the time. Mm-hmm. So this is with the family's blessing. Oh, this yeah. film, and they were the girls were uh, uh, executive producers on it. So they did have to, but but as Serena said at the filming. And I think maybe this was in Entertainment Weekly that they all teared up when they saw the the, the girl the girl playing their sister. This well, is season. Yeah, because you know they they're on the cover of Entertainment Weekly right now. Will Smith, Serena, and Venus are all on that cover, and it's a beautiful shot. And Will Smith, it's weird to see him without the mustache with just the beard. It's I'm like, is this for a role, Will? What are you doing to your face? <laughs> Yeah, and he's been everywhere because I think he sits down with Oprah too. So on uh, Apple TV. Uh, so the the other movie that we have this week that opened is Julia. Speaking of another trailblazer, mm-hmm. Julia Child, who became famous in middle age. Well, she was a spy, be- you know. Well, I know, and it talks about that. It's a documentary by the women who did the RBG documentary julie cohen and betsy west they also did my name is Polly murray which is on amazon which is one of the best documentaries of the year if you don't know who Polly murray is you will at the end of this movie because it's a she was a trailblazer in civil rights and nobody knows who she was and so uh so now you have julia that was also at the st louis international film festival and uh it's a loving portrait because as you all know, Julia Child changed the way we think about food in America, changed the mm-hmm. way we eat, changed so much. And it, it shows her, I mean, that woman was tall and she mm-hmm. wasn't afraid to make mistakes or poke fun at herself. And she just had joy about cooking. So yeah. I believe it was the joy of cooking, was, was it not? No, she she wrote them a uh, mass uh, mastery mm-hmm. uh, French mastering chef. the yeah mastering the art of French cooking, which I bought you know this year and have been cooking through during the pandemic, and uh-huh. it's you know I did my own Julie Julia and Ju- Julie and Julia, but I just didn't blog about it. But it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, how cool! Did you make the beef bourguignon? I did, and I did the coco vin and the steak au poivre, and it's yeah, it's. It How really cool. makes it lovely. And, and, you know, you get a connection to not just Julia Child, but you feel that connection to everybody who's ever cooked one of those dishes. Because at the end of it, there's that sense of accomplishment. Like, I did this. And, you know, there's millions of others who have felt that way. That's so awesome. Well, that's a good way to uh, end this thing. I just want to mention very fast that Pretty Woman is better than mm-hmm. I expected. It is at the Fox now. Now, now, hold on a second. Let me mention this. If you're expecting Go West or Roxette or even Roy Orbison or no, you get that. Robert Palmer, no, you get four notes of, I hear you get four notes, enough that no. they won't get sued. And no. you don't, you're not going to get any Robert Palmer and you're not going to get any David Bowie. You And you barely get the the Roy Orbison song. If you're going to this movie, they, end, the they have the audience sing along to Pretty Woman. If yeah, see, that's that's how they get away with it. If you <laughs> if you are expecting the iconic 1990 soundtrack, 
You are not going to be getting that at Pretty Woman at the Fox. No, I would think that the rights are, I think Mm -hmm. the rights are prohibitive. But what I liked about, well, besides Adam Pascal is the Richard Gere part, speaking of full circle, because, you know, Roger and Rent. And uh, the girl playing Vivian is Olivia Valley. And Mm -hmm. she is the actual granddaughter of Frankie Valley. Wow. Wow. And how I know this is because I was reading, I was like, who is this girl? She's very charming and boy, can she sing? And I'm reading her background and uh, her little bio. And it says she played her own grandmother in the Jersey boys. (laughs) And I was like, wait a minute. Valley. (laughs) So I looked it up. I had to go quite a ways to find out because she doesn't say she's Frankie Valley's granddaughter in her butt. But, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a tip off that Mary Delgado was her grandmother. And so, so uh, she is the daughter of Antonio, Antonia, Antonia Valley, who is one of Frankie Valley's two daughters with Mary Delgado and Francine, as we sadly know from Jersey Boys past. Mm-hmm. So, so Antonia is her mom and she played Elphaba was the understudy in a national tour. She got to play Elphaba a couple times because that's what understudies do. Mm-hmm. And uh, she also was off Broadway in Jersey Boys. So she is Vivian in the national tour and she and Adam Pascal have great chemistry. They have the jerk that was played by uh, Jason, Jason Alexander. Alexander. And I will say the music is just okay. It's written by Brian Adams and the guy that mm. co-wrote Summer of 69 and Heaven. Which and I, played, oh. I played one of those songs at the hockey game on Thursday night. So okay. And they're they're um just okay. i mean they're okay but what i did like about the show besides the uh the warm the chemistry of it and they take the beats from the movie that everybody expects oh good good the shopping scene in in their own way and also the uh comeuppance to the jerk guy and uh, all that but they take that minor character, the welcome to Hollywood guy. Yeah. And they make him a centerpiece about dreams and going to Hollywood to fulfill your dreams. And it's all about the dreaming big and why people go to Hollywood. And so they made that character, which was one of the key elements of the film that people responded to so well. In, that's an integral part. So it's way better than I thought. And that's what everybody said. Just like, mm-hmm. you know, way hold on that's not a ringing endorsement it's way better than i thought i thought it was gonna be horrible well i think the the ringing endorsement is it's not horrible well it's personality (laughs) driven if you're a fan of the movie i think you're gonna like it there's no two ways to get around her being a call girl yeah yeah people kept asking people kept saying can i bring my 13 year old to this no she's a whore (laughs) no no, 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 no. I mean, there's just no getting around it. So it's the, you know, how Gary Marshall was criticized for for glorifying. Prostitution. You know, mm-hmm. that, uh, so that's what you got to deal with. But but really, as an opening to go back to the Fox to return to the facts, people stood up right away for it. It wasn't one of those 
where you got to wait for this DNA, you know, because you know mm -hmm. the Fox are going to get it, but it takes a while. Yeah. Except yeah. when I saw Titanic at the Fox many years ago, nobody stood up. <laughs> now, so. now were the were the grandmas who walked out after the first number of Book of Mormon are they offended or are they still are they walking out? I didn't see anybody where I was, but you know, I'm privileged. I get reviewers. <laughs> so, so I don't know, but it was a pretty full house and uh, Mary yeah. Strauss does a, uh, you know, voiceover welcoming everybody back and everybody applauded, everybody cheered. And uh, yeah, we had John O'Brien on and he kind of changed my mind about thinking a little bit more positive about this, this, as well as the cats that's coming December 21st because you know to me it's like you have to drag me it's like nails on a chalkboard to see cats but Andy Blankenbuehler the Tony mm -hmm. award-winning choreographer of Hamilton and many other shows he did in the heights too mm -hmm. um he reworked cats I will be honest and I am not afraid to admit this I enjoy the show um, it was one of the first I got to work on it when I was at Lindenwood on the national tour that came through because we kicked it off when they were making it smaller. Um, and just so my experience with it is a little bit different. But, you know, there's nothing like Betty Buckley singing memories. It's just so effortless. And I, I just love that show. The first show I saw in London's West End was Cats. So I, mm. so that's I, that was my first london west end show so i still hold it in high regard because that theater where i saw it i mean it's an iconic theater and mm -hmm. it was cats and i'm glad that was my first one yeah so i'll, I'll live with cats the movie's yeah. still horrible <laughs> i've not watched it and i will be honest i won't you watch shouldn't. it right you, yeah. you shouldn't it made yeah. andrew lloyd weber buy a dog mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah and, well, Dominic, uh, where can we find you on the socials? Uh, you know, I'm on Facebook. I'm it's Dominic Dowdy Windsor. Anybody can find it. I'm on Instagram. I will be honest. I'm the worst poster for myself on those things, but I'm getting uh, better. Um, and I do have a TikTok. It's nice. I have. I'm very proud of my 36 followers, but I, you know, I'm I'm just happy that um, that you know we do have social media that we can connect with people. But yeah, anybody can find me. I, I'm not one of those people that denies a friend request. If it comes through, I'm going to accept it. But just know, don't expect groundbreaking daily posts. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you can also go to slu.edu slash arts. So Absolutely. Find out more and about all that. of our, and so sorry, all of our um, SLU programs do have their own Facebook pages as well. So you're, you know, follow us there, stay in touch with our theaters. So, you know, what's coming up, um, you know, we're in the middle of picking our next season and we'll announce it hopefully within the next coming months. And I'm excited about that. Well, Lynn, where uh, can we find you? Onward and upward. I am on the socials and <laughs> I am uh, in Webster Kirkwood times this week. I have King Richard uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife and Tick Tick Boom, mm. and uh, on KTRS Radio every Thursday night. I also talked about Procession and Julia, and I am a certified Rotten Tomatoes film critic, so my reviews are posted there. 
on the tomato meter. And uh, then uh, we're here on my website, poplifestl.com. And only one person has made the connection to the Prince song, Pop Life. Somebody ah. asked me if I, did you do that title because of the Prince song? And I went, oh my God, somebody got that. Poplifestl.com. Pop and that's our Pop podcast. Life. And Carl, where can we find you? Well, first of all, Pop Life is the other song from uh, the same album as Raspberry Beret, Around the World in a Day, which was a, it was a top 10 hit. So people forget about that song. It's a forgotten Prince gem. Um, you can find me at underscore Carl the Intern on Instagram and Twitter. I'm not on Facebook because Facebook is evil. Yes, I know Instagram's owned by Facebook, but it doesn't matter. And you can hear me every Monday through Friday on the Mark Cox Morning Show on 97.1. And you can hear me on KMOX on the Second Amendment Great Outdoors show. So I am everywhere, easily found. And you can see me or hear me at every blues game, blowing the horn and playing your music. Awesome. And also this week, if you want to hear more about his theory on Ghostbusters Afterlife and Max's interview with McKenna Grace, go to Max on Movies at KTRS Radio. Thank you, Dominic, for being on with us. And uh, awesome. thank you, thank you for having me. Yeah, Break thank you. Enjoyed it. Thank you, Lynn. everybody. It's good have, to see you. Yeah, it's always good to see you, everybody, because I don't get to see you on stage. Yeah. <laughs> um, every uh, everybody, enjoy your holidays. Stay safe. We have rising numbers, so please get vaccinated or test, and enjoy your family and what's important uh, during this holiday season. Bye. Bye.